Let me tell you why I chose Anchor to host my podcast. First, it's free. It's one of the few hosts I found that really is free. They have all the tools that you need. You can make your podcast on a computer, or you can download their free app and make edits and uploads straight from your phone. So, if you're interested in starting your own podcast, I say download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. You have just entered Liberty Lighthouse, where we cut through the fog with common sense and logic. Coming to you from Pennsylvania, the state of independence, here he is, U.S. Navy veteran, author of the book, Progress, Really? And your freedom-loving host, Peter Seraphine. Welcome to Liberty Lighthouse. I'm your freedom-loving host, Peter Seraphine. You can find me on social media, at pseraphine. And please take the time to check out the show's website, liberty-lighthouse.com. Click the send in a voice message button. I love to get voice messages that I can add to future shows. Maybe I missed something. Maybe you've got an idea I didn't talk about, and we can add it in next time. Today's show is going to be all about your money, my money, our money here in the United States of America, and how it's manipulated, what it's really worth, and where all this came from. Like I often do, I want to start with some history. Basically, since the beginning of civilization, something has been used for money or currency. Uh, Whether it be rare shells or beads, something of value was used to trade. Once mankind figured out that they could make coins out of precious metals, that became the standard. Gold, silver, copper, nickel coins were used all throughout history. Because these things had value. Regardless of your government, regardless of who you were trading with, gold is gold. Doesn't matter what country they're from or what country you're from. Became common practice, almost every nation used precious metals in their coins. Here in America, and most of the world for that matter, we've kind of gotten away from that. We've gone to cheaper coins that are made with common metals, and maybe they're plated with the precious metal that they have their names for. But what that means is that the change in your pocket really isn't worth anything except for what the government says it's worth. So if you take a U.S. quarter and you go someplace else with it, they might not think it's worth a thing. But if that U.S. quarter were still made out of silver, then it would have at least the intrinsic value of the silver that it contains. U.S. quarters were made out of 90% silver up until uh, 1965. So, what is a silver quarter from 1964 worth in today's money? Not talking about the rare collector value of said quarter, just the actual value of the silver itself. Well, a silver quarter weighed 6.25 grams. So, 90% of that 6.25, blah, 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 blah. At today's silver prices, a quarter that weighed 6.25 grams would be worth over $3 in today's money. But 25 cents from 1964 is only worth a little over $2 today. So, the artificially manipulated inflation 
that has been controlled by government and controlled by banks has kept the value of our own money less than the value of the silver it was worth. Same thing goes for a dime. A 90% silver dime from prior to 1965 would be worth over a dollar today. So using those values, a $1 silver certificate would be worth about $12 in today's money just on the silver value. Remember, our paper money used to be silver and gold certificates. There were pieces of paper that said on them that you could take them to the government and redeem them for a set quantity of the precious metal that it represented. So a silver certificate dollar bill was tied to a certain amount of silver. And that amount of silver today would be worth over $12 in our current money. Going all the way down to a penny, I've heard people say that we should get rid of the penny because it costs the government more than a penny to make a penny. Well, that's true. It does cost more than a penny to make a penny. But our pennies aren't copper anymore. They're uh, zinc, I believe, and coated with copper, so they still look like a penny. But a copper penny, which up until the 1980s was 95% copper, a copper penny is worth 1.7 cents today. Just the weight of the copper. Forget the inflation, the, in the uh, proposed value that it says on the face. Just the value of the copper alone is 1.7 cents. Now, in the 80s is about the time that copper value went up faster than the so-called inflation. And people were caught melting copper pennies down because the value of the copper was more than the value of the penny. And it was, it was a quick way to make a buck. Then the government came around and made that illegal, and then shortly thereafter stopped making them out of copper. So the whole point of this thus far is to point out that the so-called inflation that we experience in our lives doesn't necessarily match the increased value of precious metals. We all know things get more expensive as time goes on. Uh, what I'm trying to point out is that if our money was still made out of and represented precious metals, it would be worth more today than what our money is now, which is just, quote, legal tender for debt. But it does not attach to anything of any value. So let's talk about the gold standard for a moment. The gold standard was a law in our country that said that our money, all paper money, had to be tied to a certain amount of gold. Now, in the time that this was all done, Gold was valued at a little over $20 an ounce. So a $20 bill, a U.S. $20 bill, if you took it to the federal government and said, give me my gold, they gave you just under an ounce of gold. That was a pretty good system. It's not flawless. Inflation still happens. Economic hardship can still happen. But at least your money is never worthless. Your money always has the value associated with some form of gold or silver, or whatever the certificate is tied to. Some of the benefits of a gold standard is that, well, the government can't spend more money than they have gold. They're only allowed to print as much money as they have gold. That sounds like a wonderful idea. We wouldn't have this tremendous debt that we have now if our government was only allowed to spend as much money as they had in gold reserves. Sounds great to me, anyway already mentioned the benefit to you as an average Joe citizen that the fact that your money is never worthless, even if the government just collapses 
your money is still worth whatever amount of gold it's tied to. Another benefit in my eyes is the fact that inflation is tied directly to the value of that gold. So as the price of gold, the value of gold, naturally goes up over time, the money in your pocket naturally goes up over time. Instead of what we have now is the money in our pocket just going down. can't buy as much stuff with a dollar today as you could 15 years ago. One significant drawback to a gold standard is that the government cannot really do a whole lot to stimulate the economy if there is a downturn. Ancient Rome had an experience with this. When they started to have a little bit of an economic downturn, they decided to shrink the size of their coins a little bit. So a denarii was still a denarii, but they made them a little bit smaller. What do you think happened? The public noticed. The public weighed their coins. The public realized that their denarii was smaller, and then all the prices went up. So it didn't do any good at all. That is why... In 1933, FDR took us off the gold standard here in the United States. Part of his effort of trying to combat the Great Depression removed the gold standard so that he could print more money and flood the country with cash, hoping to spur the economy. Many economists believe that this was a huge part of how we got pulled out of the Great Depression. Then later, in 1971, President Richard Nixon went on TV and told the public that he was going to temporarily remove the gold standard to our currency. Well, in effect, it had already been removed in 1933 and never really put back in place. So all Nixon really did was remove the gold standard for foreign people and foreign governments, because up until then... Foreign governments could still buy our currency and then turn it in, turn it in and cash it in for gold, even though we citizens couldn't do it. I personally think that we should return to the gold standard, but we can't just flick a switch and say, hey, we want the gold standard back. There's $1.6 trillion worth of currency floating around in the United States of America, but the U.S. government only has about $11 billion in gold. So if they would only be allowed to print $11 billion of currency at any one time using a gold standard. So what would have to happen here in our country would be a long, slow process if we wanted to return to a gold standard. And that would be the government would have to start purchasing more gold and increase the value of our gold reserves. And at the same time, start printing less currency to lower the amount of money floating around in the country until the two came close enough that they could say, okay, we've got enough gold to cover the value of the currency on the market. Let's go back to a gold standard. Now, I think our country has about a snowball's chance on a hot plate of that ever happening because it's more about power and control than it is about the value of our currency. As long as our money is not tied to a reserve, our government can manipulate our money. They can decide how much to print. They can change our interest rates. And they can spend as much as they want because they're not limited by the amount of reserves. So they can just keep spending until we're $22 trillion in debt, point fingers at the other political party and blame them while they both just keep spending and nobody ever does anything about it. So the government is certainly not in a hurry to go back to a gold standard, they lose all of their control. 
they lose the ability to devalue currency. I have always wondered, what does that mean? Why would you ever want to devalue your nation's currency? So in research for the show, I, I looked it up. And I already mentioned that ancient Rome tried this by printing smaller coins, but everybody noticed, so it didn't work. Why we today would want to devalue our currency is because if our currency is worth less on the global market, then it helps to increase our exports and decrease our trade deficits with other nations. And it can actually lower the amount of interest that the governments have to pay on loans. All of that manipulation goes away when our money is tied to a physical, quantifiable amount of something precious. Without that tie, though, without that gold standard, without our money being backed up by some type of a fiscal reserve, we run the risk of hyperinflation, uncontrolled, outrageous hyperinflation when everything becomes ridiculously expensive. This has happened to several countries uh, throughout history. Again, I, I like to use history, so let's go back and look. Uh, let's look at uh, 1923 Germany. In 1923 Germany, right about the time that Hitler was, was getting primed to take over the world, it literally took a wheelbarrow full of German marks to buy a loaf of bread because hyperinflation had made their currency just worthless. The same thing happened in the early Soviet Union. I, I remember pictures when I was a kid of people standing outside of markets in, in Moscow with literally wheelbarrows full of rubles because they were going grocery shopping. None of our socialist friends in Washington want to hear this part now. It's happening in Venezuela right now. The Venezuelan dollar is worthless. It's literally litter in the street and homeless people are taking Venezuelan currency and making it in jewelry to try to sell to anybody who might walk by because, you know, it, it's just that worthless. And there is absolutely nothing to say that that can't happen to any country on the planet, including the United States, if their currency is not tied to some form of fiscal reserve. And our currency is not. Our currency is worth whatever we think it's worth, whatever the government tells us it's worth. No fiscal reserve. That's a bad thing in my personal opinion. So without that limit of those $11 billion gold reserves, without being tied to that, who decides how much money gets printed? Well, the, the Treasury Department decides how much money is printed. They put an order into the Bureau of Engraving and Printing, and then it gets printed and it gets sent out, which makes sense, I suppose. What doesn't make sense to me, though, is that when a bank needs more cash on hands, they put in a request to the Federal Reserve for electronic funds. So I guess that brings us to the next step, is to talk about who is the Federal Reserve and what are they and, and where did they come from and uh, how do they help us or hurt us? Before we get to that, I'm going to take a short break. Be back in about 30 seconds or so. Please don't forget to check out liberty-lighthouse.com. Click the send in a voice message button or click the send in a voice message button on any podcast provider that has that link. Love to hear from you. 
get your thoughts on the show, add you to the next one. Be right back. Are you fed up with progressive society? I'm Peter Serafine, and my frustration led me to write a short book titled Progress. Really? Progress, really, is about the past, current, and future state of American culture, government, and social standing. I urge every liberty-loving American to visit my website, seraphine.com, and order a copy. Give Progress, Really, a quick read and some serious thought. That was seraphine.com, S-E-R-E-F-I-N-E.com. Order your copy today. That little commercial for my book reminds me, if you're one of the first five people to click the send me a message button and send me a voice message that I can use on this show, I'm going to send you a copy of my book. So let's get back to the show. I said we were going to talk about the Federal Reserve. Well, the Federal Reserve came into existence in 1913. It's one of the three things that I talked about in a blog post where I suggest that 1913 was a terrible year for our republic and our personal freedoms. There were three things that happened in 1913 that I think were just horrible. Uh, The 16th Amendment allowing the federal government to impose income tax on citizens. The 17th Amendment, which changed how senators were elected to Congress, and then the creation of the Federal Reserve. So who is the Federal Reserve and what do they do? Well, according to their website, the Federal Reserve was, quote, was created by Congress to provide the nation with a safer, more flexible, and more stable monetary and financial system, end quote. And the Federal Reserve, uh, or simply the Fed, is, is organized much like a private corporation. They have several regions throughout the country. Each of those regions has a board of directors. And then there's the federal board in Washington. It's that 12-member board in Washington that we we see about, hear about in the news often. Most of the time, because they're doing something or not doing something to the interest rates. What the Federal Reserve is, is basically a centralized bank of our country. You could almost call it the U.S. Central Bank. Now, central banking has been an issue of contention in our nation since the foundation. Uh, The Federal Reserve is actually the third attempt to have a a nationalized bank in our country, and and I believe it's the one that has lasted the longest. Now, to give you an idea, Thomas Jefferson said, I believe that banking institutions are more dangerous to our liberties than standing armies, end quote. So Thomas Jefferson was obviously against the idea of a central bank. Well, so was James Madison. James Madison said that history records the money changers have used every form of abuse, intrigue, deceit, and violent means possible to maintain their control over governments by controlling money and its issuance. So that's two of our founding fathers that were very against a central bank. So what's the Fed, what does the Fed do? The thing that we see the most is changing interest rates. So what they control is the interest rates that the government will pay on government bonds, for the most part. What happens, though, is that all, okay, all might be an exaggeration, most 
other banks, including private banks, set their interest rates off of the Federal Reserve interest rate. So if the Fed says, you know, the interest rate is, we'll just say 1%, your bank might say that, well, when we give loans, we give loans at whatever the Federal Reserve says, plus a half a percent. So your bank might be at 1.5, while the Fed is at 1. Now, that would be great, by the way. You know, 1% interest would be fabulous. Um, anyway, I digress. So that's the thing that we're, we see the Federal Reserve do most is, is set interest rates that then control the interest rates of all the banks throughout our country. And the stock market takes a lot of uh, influence from these interest rates. For some reason, investors think that what these guys, these, these 12 people sitting in a boardroom, what they say about the economy is so important that the stock market will fluctuate wildly based on whether or not these 12 guys decide to change interest rates or not. So 12 people on the board of the Federal Reserve in Washington, D.C., who probably haven't had a real job in our society in God knows how many decades, these 12 people set these interest rates, which then not only affect your interest rates on your loans, but they also affect the stock market, which then affects your 401k plan, your retirement. And it also affects imports and exports and thereby affecting the economy as a whole. So these 12 people have arguably more power than all of Congress when it comes to the economy. They're wildly powerful individuals. So then... Let's look at just the name, Federal Reserve System. Federal Reserve System, that kind of implies that they have money. They have something of value in reserve. But they really don't. They're just an organization who helps clear checks and, and replenish banks when banks don't have enough reserve on hand. So what they do, so let's, let's look, talk about that for a second. So a bank starts running a little low on cash. Joe Schmo bank on the corner starts running a little low on money. So they put in a request to the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve then basically loans that bank these funds electronically. And I say loans the bank these funds electronically because the Federal Reserve charges this bank interest on the funds that they, they forward to them. So now your bank just got this money. They're paying interest on it. Now, when they become cash heavy again, they have to pay it back. And of course, they have to pay it back with interest. So couple that with the fact that your bank ties the interest rates they charge you to what the Federal Reserve says. And then now they get their money from the Federal Reserve and have to pay them back interest. That's a lot of control for these 12 guys sitting in Washington. That's their primary job to manipulate money. That that's their number one focus is to make the economy run smoother. I mean, even their own website says provide the nation with a safer, more flexible, more stable monetary and financial system. I don't understand how they do that. Maybe I'm just not smart enough to get it. I think I've said before, I'm just a high school graduate. I never had college level economics classes or anything, but I don't understand 
how my dollar bill in my pocket, which is not attached to any physical asset that I can cash it in for, is more stable than if it were tied to gold. More flexible? Sure, it's more flexible because the government can decide if they want to print more money. And if they print more money, my money's worth less. I don't know about you, but I personally do not like the idea of 12 people that I don't know having that much power over the value of the money in my pocket that I worked for. Now, these guys, this whole system, the Federal Reserve System, it's supposed to be a nonprofit organization. And in the event that they turn a profit, they're supposed to turn that over to the Treasury. Yeah, I believe that. I'm supremely confident that these 12 people that have this much power wouldn't possibly abuse it for their own personal gains. No, nobody would do that. All of the people in Washington are just so morally superior and ethical that nobody would ever do that when they had that much power. Sorry, in case you can't tell that's sarcasm. Anyway. President Woodrow Wilson was the president that signed the Federal Reserve into law, um, which happened to be done on December 23rd, 1913, two days before Christmas. Um, there weren't a whole lot of people in Congress to pass this bill, to get it on his desk. But the minute it, it showed up on his desk, he signed it into law, like immediately. It, it, it went through the House. I'm sorry. It went through the Senate and then onto his desk within a matter of a few hours and it was signed into law. So he was anxious to do it. President Woodrow Wilson apparently liked the idea of a Federal Reserve when he was president, when he signed it into law. But I have a rather lengthy quote here of, of uh, President Woodrow Wilson from years later. I am a most unhappy man. I have unwittingly ruined my country. A great industrial nation is controlled by its system of credit. Our system of credit is concentrated. The growth of the nation, therefore, and all of our activities are in the hands of a few men. We have come to be one of the worst ruled, one of the most completely controlled and dominated governments in the civilized world. No longer a government by free opinion, no longer a government by conviction and the vote of the majority, but the government by the opinion and duress of a small group of dominant men. End quote. That's quite the reversal. I mean, he went from anxious to sign a bill to thinking that he has completely destroyed our country by signing that same bill. I, I can't say that I disagree with him either. I, I think that the Federal Reserve has all but destroyed our country. It has ruined the value of the money that we work so hard for and made it some fanciful, fictitious thing that gets manipulated like a marionette on, a, on strings by 12 people in Washington, D.C. 12 people that obviously have political agendas of some sort or one way or another. If Thomas Jefferson thinks that banking institutions are more dangerous than standing armies, and Woodrow Wilson thinks that he has unwittingly ruined our country by instituting a banking system, hmm, 
maybe we should reconsider this whole Federal Reserve thing. Maybe it's not a good idea to spend until you're $22 trillion in debt as a nation and then keep spending. Maybe it's not a good idea to continuously manipulate the economy. Because let me tell you something, the economy will always correct itself. And you know, it's not going to do it when it thinks it's the best time for you and I. There are going to be bull markets and bear markets. There is going to be recession and boom and, and depression. It happens. The economy is kind of like a, a, a piece of nature. It has its ups and downs. And if we constantly manipulate it and we constantly prop it up whenever there's a down, eventually we're not going to be able to prop it up and the down is going to be huge and it's going to be like the Great Depression. Or it's going to be like, you know, Germany, where you take 250 marks to buy a loaf of bread in 1923, or a wheelbarrow full of Russian rubles to buy groceries. But I don't have the answer. I've said before, I'm not smart enough to have the answer to some of these terribly complex questions. But I have enough common sense to know that the Federal Reserve System as it exists today is not the answer. And money that has some arbitrarily assigned fictitious value and that is constantly manipulated by banking and bankers and politicians is not a good thing. We can't go on just assuming that the economy is always going to be good and that we're always going to be able to prop it up by lowering interest rates or printing more cash. Eventually, the economy will crash. What's that dollar going to be worth then? That's what I want our government to work on. I want them to work on long-term plans, how to save us, you know, for the next hundred years, not how to keep us from having a minor downturn in the economy. I, I want to know that my kids can rely on what the money that they earn is going to be worth. And the Federal Reserve isn't doing that at all. The only thing they're looking at is the next year. Which way is the economy going now? Should we lower interest rates or raise interest rates? I agree with Thomas Jefferson and James Madison. Central banking is bad. I know I didn't give any answers in this episode. The only answer I really have is, if you've got the opportunity, buy some gold, buy some silver. I mean, silver is $16, $17 an ounce right now. You can buy a one-ounce bar Throw it in a lockbox in your house. Every now and then, buy another one. Because eventually, and hopefully not during our lifetimes, but eventually, the economy is going to crash and our paper money is going to be worthless. We need to have something of value. Since the money isn't tied to anything of value, we guess we have to do it ourselves. If you've got a better idea than that, my God, I'd love to hear it. Please send me a voice message. I want to know how I can... Protect my future and my kids' future. I guess that's it for today. Thanks for coming into the Liberty Lighthouse with me. I hope we uh, were able to cut through some of the political fog and talk a little common sense. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook and Twitter, at Seraphine for both. Love for you to check out the website, liberty-lighthouse.com. I'll be back next week with a follow-up to this show, so get those messages in to me. And until then, 
protect your liberties. Once they're gone, there's no getting them back. God bless America. Mm.